that we're going to pray. Okay, shall we just bow our heads and just really commit our t- time to the Lord, ask the Lord to speak to you and ask the Lord to minister through our senior pastor. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that God, as we begin the new year, we can begin it with in your house in worship and receiving your revelation from your word. I pray that our hearts will be open, ready to hear from you. I pray for your anointing upon Sina Pastor. Thank you for his health. Thank you for his voice. Thank you for his preparations. I pray that God, you will use him, fill him with your spirit in a mighty way. And I pray that we will respond, Father, to your word to us through him. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. It's uh, just past noon, so it's good afternoon and also a very happy new year. And I trust that this year all of us will be gay, all of us will be radical. And okay, so I need to explain. Huh? I, I don't need to tell you that gay in years past have a very different meaning, but actually it, the root understanding of the word gay is to be carefree. A gay person carefree. And why are we carefree? Because we have already cast all our cares on Jesus. And the other word is happily excited. Description of gay is you're happy and you're excited for the new year that is ahead of us. But what about radical? Radical has come to mean extreme. Extreme, radical, religious uh, uh, people. And, and also deviant. So radical is like extremely deviant. No, no, no. The root of uh, radical comes from this Latin word called radicalis, which means root. Root, relating to a root. So we're going to go back to the roots or the fundamentals of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay, just um, a test here, okay? Can you think of the names of 10 Christians? How fast does it come to you, 10 Christians? Quite easy, just look around, okay, two rows, 10 Christians, right? Now, think about the names of five disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think there is a pause. There is a pause. You know, through, through time, through 2,000 years, the meaning of the word Christian is likely to have changed, actually diluted uh, quite a lot. But the meaning of the word disciple, disciple of the Lord Jesus, I don't think it has changed all that much. The word Christian is only used three times in the Bible, twice in the book of Acts, you know, in Antioch, First time they were called Christians, uh, and then one time in First Peter. But the word disciple, or the Greek word matetis, how many times? 252 times. Way different from the word Christian, 252 times. So in 2,000 years, the word Christian, you know, like Christian fundamentalists uh, or the Christian evangelicals who support a certain president has come to pick up some bad associations. But I think the word disciple which actually just means learner, is still high fidelity, has high fidelity to the first century meaning of the word. Um, I've had this in my mind for many months now, and this is the sermon title, and I think today is an opportune time to preach it, and this is a call to radical discipleship. Going to the roots of what it means to be a disciple, Another thing, what about the word Lord? 
Lord. What is Lord? Some people will use it as a punctuation mark in, in prayer, right? When you, you pray and you're stuck and then you, you kind of Lord, 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 and Lord this and Lord that. Uh, okay, it's, it's, shouldn't laugh at that. I mean, many of us get stuck sometimes in prayer. And, and something about it as a name. Well, there are, whenever you look at the Bible where Lord is spelled L-O-R-D in small letters, it's not a name, it's, it's just a description. Uh, like Jesus Christ, the name is Jesus. Actually, Christ is not a name. Christ means the anointed, right? So Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus is the name, Lord is a description. Of course, in the Old Testament, the word Lord is the name of the Lord God. It's different. But we're talking about the New Testament here. And then, thirdly, it's sometimes used as a term of endearment. Dear Lord Jesus. Like you write in the diary, Dear Lord Jesus, when you say a prayer. So, is, is Lord all this? Is it a punctuation mark? Is it just a name? Or is it a term of endearment? Actually, it's not. What Lord means is that there is a relation, relationship. Um, it, at, at its root, at its most fundamental, the word Lord describes a relationship between a Lord and the disciple. Between the disciple who obeys and the Lord who is to be obeyed. There is a disciple, there is a Lord. Three times the Lord Jesus says, you cannot be my disciples. Okay, I don't really want to start a, a, a New Year's sermon with, with a negative, but it just hits you straight in the face. You feel like you're being punched in the face, but this is it. The Lord says, Luke 14, 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hit his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, we recognize this as hyperbole. That means, compared to the love that we ought to have for Christ, our love for our parents and brothers and sisters and children looks like hatred by comparison. But this is quite true. Some of us love our children so much that we are led by the nose by, by, by our children. I mean, I've come across many times where the child, primary school, decides that this Sunday I'm not going to church. And the dad says, okay, I'm not going also. It's happened so often. And, and some of us, even as adults and old working adults, not young working adults, we dare not get baptized because for fear of upsetting uh, our parents. And, and that is the, the kind of love that that Jesus is talking about, you've got to almost to like be hating your parents to love Jesus. Second verse, Luke 14, 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'll talk more about this verse later. Third one, all in Luke 14, verse 33 now, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Renounce what? All that we have. What do we have? Our time, our talents, our treasures. Renounce to give it up. Give it up where? To give it back to the giver. And there's more, and this is our text for today. Matthew chapter 7 from verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished the sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Three things God is not impressed with. God is not impressed with words. Lord, Lord, how many times or how endearingly you call him, dear Lord, dear Lord, he's not impressed. Number two, God is not impressed with religious works. Even works like prophesying and casting out demons or miracles or mighty works as it is translated in the English Standard Version. And thirdly, God is not impressed with how big your house is, how big your bank account is, how big your church is if it is built on sand. Instead, God is looking for those who are wise, those who would lay a good foundation on the rock. He's looking for those who will do the will of the Father. Those who hear and those who obey. Is that radical? What is the will of the Father? I know many times in our own lives, we say, oh, I'm seeking you, Lord. I'm seeking your will for my life. And, and I really like the Lord Jesus. He's a really bottom line uh, kind of a guy. And he says this, he distilled it down, I believe, to two. One is the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is the will of God. And then what? And then he commissions us in what is called the Great Commission in Matthew Chapter 28 is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is a reason for the psychedelic colors here, which I'll explain later. And I know that many churches and Christian organizations spend a lot of time figuring out their vision or mission uh, statements. Some even use uh, church consultants for that. And often they are helpful. And often it is helpful to have statements uh, in, in the 20th, 21st century that are more localized, contextualized, uh, or modernized, or justified. But in essence, I believe every church mission or vision must be based on these two. The greatest commandment and the Great Commission. And so for PPH, we recast it into our five M's. Our purpose that you will see in your bulletin Sunday after Sunday, and if I do a test now, I'm not sure if everybody can score 100 marks. Our purpose here now in red is to magnify, which means to glorify God, to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Membership in orange is to commit to His family, the church, and this comes with baptism. Ministry in blue is to grow in Christ-likeness, to obey all that Jesus has commanded, and then to teach others to obey as well. Ministry in yellow is to serve others, to love our neighbours. Mission in green, to reach the lost, to make disciples of all nations. These are the five M's. 
I would really like to have a sixth one, but I'm just fearful that if five cannot get 100 marks, I put six, it will be worse, right? The, the, the sixth one I really like to have is multiply. Multiply. Because Jesus in the Great Commission says to teach others uh, all that I have commanded you. That means you obey and then you teach others to obey. There's a multiplication involved in that. Now, I've men- mentored many young men through, not, I was about to say through the ages, but just through the years. And I, frankly, I don't remember telling any of my mentees, okay, now I mentor you, you go mentor someone else. I don't even remember doing that. And, and this is something that I think we want, to, we want to implement in PPH and trust to faithful men, to teach others also. Otherwise, we will have a feed me culture. Feed me, la, mentor me, la, and then we feed no one. So we receive to reproduce, to multiply. So I might say, oh, okay, all this is very nice, you know. Let's look uh, uh, slightly justified. But how do we translate that into 5Ms, 6Ms, whatever, into a life of radical discipleship? Into something that works for me? I think, first of all, we need to open our eyes and take a good look at ourselves. Have we fallen short of being a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or are we called Christians and disciples just too loosely? Instead, we may have been Babylonized. Last year, we covered the book of of Daniel. There is this whole worldly system that wants to force you into its mold, the mold of Babylon. If we cheat and we lie like everybody else, just yesterday, I talked to a Christian and he said, you know, I have to lie this time. I have to lie. In order, in order to get some advantage in, in something. If we curse and we swear, we use the F-bomb and whatever bombs, just like everybody else. If we seek status and status symbols, just like everybody else. If we are easily offended and we become unforgiving and bitter in our spirit, just like everybody else. If we say with pride that oh, yeah, I'm like that one, ah, you know, if, if I, 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 always, I always speak my mind. If you cannot take it, that's your problem. Like everybody else. If we harden our hearts to the poor and think oh, they're poor because they're not hardworking like me, and if we are like everybody else, then who are we like? Who are we? And who is our Lord? Whose disciples are we? Who are we really following? And it goes all the way back, back to the time of Moses in Leviticus 18. It says, you shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you live. You shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules, keep my statutes, walk in them. I am the Lord your God. And in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, these people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, God says. And so there is lip service. And we know all the good words. We know the jargon. And we may say things like, oh, I felt led to buy this expensive car. <laughs> oh, I felt led to buy this piece of jewellery. And when we are asked to help in church or, or in CSC, we say, let me pray about it. But even as you say that, you have absolutely no intention of helping, let alone pray about it. And when somebody, you see somebody in need, 
and you can offer practical help, you say, oh, I'll pray for you. And you have absolutely no intentions of praying for such a person. Or you just forget to do so. So might we now then become practitioners of a superficial form of Christianity where we pay only lip service. The only thing that moves is our lips, not our hearts, certainly not our hands and our feet. And so there is this sense of contented worldliness which uh, Dr. Winston Chin introduced to us when he was preaching on, on Daniel. It came from C.S. Lewis. Where I think there should be a yielded holiness. You shall not do as they do. You shall not conform to the pattern of this world. You shall not be Babylonized. You shall not be contented with worldliness. You should be yielded to godly holiness. Romans 12, 2, the very famous verse here. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So do not conform, do not compromise. Since the days of Moses until now, God has been calling and calling His disciples, do not conform to Babylon, do not conform to the ways of this world. And so instead we become like, like dead fish, you know, we just drift along with the current of the world, where in fact we should be swimming against the current, the pattern of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 has this very sobering advice for us. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Are you in the faith? A Christian, a disciple? Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. You know, most first sermons of the year will call for a commitment or a recommitment, we put up our hands. But let's go radical. Let's go to the root of it. It's not about a commitment. It's about crucifixion. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live in 2020, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It all starts with the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. And so we have this divine privilege to be crucified with Christ. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Earlier we read Luke 14, 27, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Someone once said that we rather minimize or we might misunderstand, I think somewhat intentionally, or manipulate the Word of God rather than to obey it. We do everything but to obey it. We are like a loving Heavenly Father, but we omit that He is holy and actually He is also a God of wrath. And we like to think that basically, I'm a decent person. All my friends are decent people. And so we avoid using the word sin. You think back in the year 2019, in your vocabulary, vocabulary, have you used the word sin? We think we are reconciled to God because we have prayed to accept Jesus. But then we do not want to take up the cross to follow Him. When Jesus says, take up the cross and follow me, those who heard it in the first century 
will have a very distinct image in their mind. Those who take up their cross are going to die. They are hated for death. And that's why Paul declares, I die daily. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I die every day. You've heard of this, right? Whoops. Next slide. Okay. You've heard of this, right? What would Jesus do? What about this? What would glorify God? What would glorify God? Every Sunday we see this in, the, in our bulletin, right? The purpose of PPH is to glorify God. I've received feedback that uh, this is like not relatable, uh, too highfalutin. But actually, I found it completely practical. It's a very, very simple four-worded four question that can guide us daily as radical disciples. We just need to ask it, what would glorify God? Our sinful nature do not, does not want to glorify God. My own experience, I'm sure, is your experience as well. We much rather go the way of the world, to seek the pleasures of the world, and to be acceptable to all uh, our friends. We do not want to, de- uh, to glorify God. So there must be a dying to self. So if you say, as some people have asked me, does it glorify God? Or, or they ask me, uh, Pastor, can you have tattoo or not? Then I say, does it glorify God to have tattoo? Does it? I think it does. If you are on your way to the mission field in some obscure tribe whose practice is to tattoo, and then your tattoo is God loves you. Oh, I say you win already, man. Other than that, does it glorify God? If, because all my friends have it. So I also have it. Does that glorify God? Or some of the older ones among here, all my friends are drinking vintage, like 20, what, 60-year-old malt vinegar. Uh, not malt malt whiskey, sorry. <laughs> malt whiskey. Just last Saturday, I know I was at a gathering where the end of the gathering was everybody drinks whiskey. Does it glorify God to join in? Uh, what about... Um, does it glorify God if we judge others by their actions? And as Christians, we are very judgmental. We say, this is not right, that is not right. But then when we do something, it's oh yeah, I slip. Lah. Because actually my intentions are good, but uh, yeah, life is difficult. We are very quick to criticize people hundred years, hundreds of years ago who, who own uh, slaves and buy and sell slaves. Maybe a hundred years from now, somebody will look at us and say, oh, the way you guys treat your domestic helpers uh, is no better. Does it glorify God if I have absolutely no intentions of ever coming to church on time? I come when I can come. Does it glorify God if I say, hey, no way, I cannot love my enemies. You don't know my enemies. God, you don't know my enemies. Does it glorify God? What happens when we read the Word of God? I hope it is not okay, uh, spiritual discipline, right? So today, I take quiet time. I've read the Word of God, but with absolutely no intentions of obeying it. Does it glorify God? In the parable of the sower, 
you know, in Matthew 13, where the sower so different kinds of, of soil and, and how some receive and some do not, uh, the plants do not grow. Martin Luther, the great Roma, has, has this to say, to, those, to these belong those who hear the word of God, but do not bring, their, bring under subjection their flesh, because their carnal flesh simply, ah, I cannot obey. They know their duty, but do it not. They teach, but do not practice what they teach, and are this year as they were last. 2019 has passed all too quickly. 2020, are you going to be same as 2019 in disobedience? 2020 will pass just as quickly. Already five days have gone, right? So we only have 360 uh, days left of this year. Will you be this year as you were last? Let me issue once again a call to radical discipleship. Abraham Lincoln, uh, one of the earlier presidents of the USA, was brought to a church service. When the service was over, the friend who brought him asked him, so, how was the service, President Lincoln? And he said, oh, great worship, good preaching, sound doctrine, good delivery, uh, good illustrations, but the sermon failed. And so this friend said, the sermon failed? Uh, why? And Abraham Lincoln said, because the pastor did not ask something great of his people. There was no challenge. So I want to ask something great from you. I want to ask you to match three T's with five M's. Apply three T's to five M's. And this is something great. What are the three T's? Time, talent, treasure. And let's have this 2020 as a one-year radical experiment to be radical disciples. So we have time, we have talent, all given by God. We have treasures, all given by God. Now we match it against our purpose statement of the five M's. But before that, two things to note when we try to fill in this matrix. Galatians 2.20 Die to our sinful and selfful, uh, uh, selfish self. It means be crucified with Christ because in our natural tendency, we just don't want to do this. And I can think that even now, some of us may be thinking, ah, it's cute only, uh, cute only. Other people can practice that. I have absolutely no intentions of applying my three T's to your five M's. Hope not. I hope not. And secondly, firstly, die to self. Secondly, love. Why? Because the Son of God loved me and gave Himself for me. That's why I'm doing this. So first, magnify. What would glorify God? To love God with all our heart and soul and mind. Ask not what is best for my career. Ask not what is the, the, who are the, the good people that I want to network with so that I can advance in life. Ask not what is best for my bank account this year, how to make the most money in the shortest possible time. Your first question and your last question is WWGG. What would glorify God this year? How do I apply my time, my talents, my treasures to glorifying God? To do that, we need to die. And then we need to love. And we can break it down into membership. How do I apply my time, talent, and treasures to the family of God in PPH? 
this is my family that I want to be committed to as a member. And don't be an occasional church, Sunday church attender, even if you're on time. Participate in the life of the church. Join a cell group so that you can relate to people as a family to love and to serve, to be loved and to be served. Don't fall for Christian consumerism. That I taste this sermon in this church, then I taste that sermon in this church, then I make a comparison and I criticize this and I criticize that and in the end find that actually that no church is good enough for me. Don't be seeking only to have our needs be met, but seek to be a participant in the family, in the life of the church, to, to serve, to bless someone. Maturity. Every time we think about spiritual maturity, maturity, what do we think about? Spiritual disciplines. A daily quiet time. Tithing, if you're not already doing so. And tithing means 10% of growth, okay? It's not your income minus this, minus that, minus that. Whatever is left, 10%. Tithing also means that when we go give to CSC, we receive a fat tax deduction. That's mine. No, tax deduction is God's. Die to our desires. Our desire is not to wake up early to have a time with God. We'd much rather have that one hour more of sleep. We have a system of prayer and fasting. Fasting is no joke. Huh? For people like me, even one meal is very difficult. Okay? We've got to die to self. Die to self and do it out of, of love. Commit to join in our once-in-two-year church camp in June coming up. It's been in the bulletin for many weeks now. I wonder if how many of us have already applied for leave and let your organization know early that 12 to 15 June I am going to church camp and I'm going to spend a few hundred dollars doing that. A mature person loves his neighbor. A mature person loves his enemy. And to forgive someone, to forgive your enemies, it's not your enemy must die. You must die in order to have that, that God-given resource to forgive and to do, do drastic spiritual surgery on our pride, on our bitterness. I talked about the 6M, right? Multiply. It's good to want to be fed, but we too need to feed others. We are blessed to bless others. We make disciples. Whatever we learn in church, quickly go and teach somebody. Ministry. You need to crucify our flesh to serve others because our flesh tells us that I'd much rather be served, Right? Serve because the Son of God loved us and, 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 and gave Himself for us. The Son of God loved us and served us. Be a volunteer in our community services, services center. And here I'm a little bit disappointed that we appear to have very little ground-up volunteers uh, to lead what I would think like all kinds of interest groups. Like some of us have special talents in, in cooking or sewing or, or something that I think we can easily share with uh, the community. Uh, among the, the men's network, the women's network, the SNF, uh, Steadfast and Faithful, all these older guys, uh, we talk a lot about, talk uh, a lot about passing on the torch to other people, but I was encouraging the first service, like, 
which of you young guys will say, hey, Grandpa, uh, can you mentor me? I said, we need, to, we need to come out of our comfortable cell groups and join the YA uh, cell groups and, and just die to ourselves and love the young adults. A disciple is a learner, just by definition. A disciple is a learner. And, and you're never too old to learn. Okay? I came across this example of this guy called Edward Mote, M-O-T-E, whose song we will sing as a closing song. His, his story is quite amazing. His parents were running a pub in, in England, uh, just promoting drunkenness and so that more and more money comes in. And then he became a Christian. He worked as a carpenter, carpenter a cabinet maker, I call it. I think sounds more atas than carpenter. And, and at the age of 55, he decided to be a pastor and started writing hymns. He wrote more than 100 hymns, one of which we will sing uh, later on, which is, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So even at 55 or whatever age, we can, we can heed the call to be radical disciples. And finally, mission. Next month, we will have two mission Sundays uh, where we're going to lay out all the ways that you can serve. And I say, go on a mission trip. Nothing is better for our souls than, than to go out there to, to, to experience um, in, in a mission trip uh, poverty and, and man's desperate need for God. And start a, a project like we recently had on sponsoring Batam slum living children for a Christmas camp. Let them have a, a great time of fun. It doesn't take a Pastor Bernice to have this idea, okay? One of our cell groups can sponsor the whole thing. Why not sponsor whatever? I hope, don't know whether they have Easter camps or whatever. We can, we can do that. And even closer to home, we have very hungry people in Cool Club and uh, Lao Jen. You know? it, we, we don't only have to provide them snacks during youth camp. Huh? A normal youth uh, uh, meeting on Saturdays. Just bless people, right? Bless people. Um, I know we practice good spiritual disciplines like thriftiness, right? We don't, how to say, anyhow spend. <laughs> we, we are thrifty people, so we save, we save, we save. And then we look at our bank account, it grows and grows and grows. And we save, and we say, yeah, I'm a good Christian. Rubbish. You don't spend. What's the point of looking at a bank account grow, 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 when you don't spend? You don't spend on, for kingdom purposes. You've got to spend until it hurts. That's how David, King David went about doing things. You remember in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, uh, somebody wanted to give him something uh, to offer sacrifice to the Lord. He says, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God. That cost me nothing. Spend. You planning for holidays this year? Uh, going on a luxurious cruise? Actually, I am, you know. <laughs> but it's still cheaper than certain things. Uh. Uh, going to, <laughs> it's just a four-day thing to Phuket, okay? I say, crucify it, man. If you're planning for a 24-day in Ireland, uh, Iceland or, or something, Crucify it. Cut it short. Take a portion of that. Go on a mission trip. Spend on the mission trip. Of course, spend on holidays, but there must be an aspect of dying to self. 
we are, we are disciples. We've been saved like refugees from Syria because the Lord reached down and rescued us and pulled us up into His rescue boat. And there are many Christian workers doing that same job of rescuing drowning people out of Babylonian waters, pulling them out. And all through Christendom, they are short on resources. They're short on time, they're short on talent, short on treasures. Meanwhile, a short distance away, there are the cruise ships. I don't know, I seem to be battering cruise ships uh, today a lot. Cruise ships that are overflowing with food and space and resources. So many more people could be saved, but those on board the cruise ship says, Yo, but we're already sleeping two to a cabin and so crowded. And we also have our own problems. For the fine dining portion, only three choices. They don't have Coke Zero here. I'm going to live without Coke Zero. You don't expect us to climb out of our cruise ship to go into those little dingies to, to rescue people, do you? But don't we recognize that we ourselves were once on lifeboats? But over time, our lifeboat has grown and grown into this cruise ship filled with passengers just like us, entitled, comfortable consumerists. That's why uh, I think PPH will never, so long as I'm alive, lah, never have a church camp on a cruise ship. Uh, it's been discussed. Other churches have done it, but I just find the idea so not right. <laughs> Maybe one day, one day, if it is really cheaper than a hotel, one day. So we need a radical realignment. I love this picture, you know, like two generations. Realign and make it intentional. <laughs> Actually, I, I really dislike the word intentional. It's like, if you don't preface your stuff with intentional word in front, then it means it's unintentional, it's, it's accidental. So, PPH has an accidental discipleship program because we're not intentional. But, but please make an intentional effort this year, this week, to make an intentional and radical realignment of our time, of our talent, and, and of our treasures to magnify, to membership, to maturity, to ministry, to mission. Be intentional in our love for the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us and be intentional in our radical desire to crucify the self and to love. Once again, I make a call to radical discipleship. I'm going to make demands of your time. Be punctual on Sundays. Be regular in a cell group. Be sacrificial in service. I want to make demands on your talents. Don't waste the skills and the experiences that God has given you. Serve others with it. I want to make demands of your treasure. Give till it hurts, till that selfish carnal desire in us dies. Live it out this year and see if by being radical disciples, you will not find more satisfaction than the sacrifice you think you have made. You will not find more fulfillment than what you have given out as disbursements. You will not find that the Word of God is true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That the blessing is greater for the blesser than for the blessed. What is the most radical thing about God? I think it is this phrase, God is love. And our response 
must be in love. Otherwise, this sermon will be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Will be just like placing burdens on you that you cannot bear. This year, we will have the privilege of sending four doctors to the mission field. Not many churches can do that. Four doctors, Winston and Sherman, will leave in March to Nepal. Raj and Lois will leave in August for Timor-Leste. And while I was preparing for this message, I chanced upon a sermon that I preached 15 years ago on the 13th of June, 2004 to be exact. Okay, we say that nothing happens by chance. So, I think that it was God who intentionally placed this across my computer screen. And it's so radical and so challenged challenging that I now want to place it across your screen, this big screen, and I want to read it in full, intentionally. And this was on a Saturday night, 12th of June, 2004. Last night, I, this is me, I was the oldest guy in a CG of 19 young people. A 23-year-old medical student challenged us to the core of our being. He came back from a month in a remote hospital in Kenya, a place called Kapsowa. He said, I have one life to live. I got a five-year bond I will honour. I want to get married, drive a car, live in a nice house. But I am going to give all these good things up if God wants me to have something better, something to give Him the greatest glory. Out of this, one life. Pastor, and then he turned to me and pointed his finger at my nose. Pastor, you keep me accountable. Scold me, pull me back, hold me to this calling that God has for me. Don't let me go. Very seldom I have 23-year-old guy point his finger at me and tell this pastor how to do his job. You can guess who said that. Okay, it's a very, very simple clue. He was 23 years old, he's 15 and a half years later. For those in the first service, I say, Okay, this 23-year-old goes, I got one life to live. I say, for us in the first service, not really. Lah. Maybe one-third life more to live. <laughs> Maybe one-quarter more life to live. But for you, yeah, you got one whole life to live. And can I say that God has intentionally reminded me to keep all of you accountable for your time, your talent, your treasures, to scold you, to pull you back from Babylon, to hold you to this calling as radical disciples that God has for you, to never let you go. I showed this chart uh, last Sunday about our church attendance. I took a good look at it again. I said, if every single one of these numbers that has not really grown much through the years, but if every single one of these church attendees would come on time, no, would respond to radical discipleship, we're going to have 425 disciples willing to die to self, willing to serve with love. There is a parallel version of Matthew 7 in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and it's a very personal question. Jesus said, why? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Why? Would you be superficial? Would you be sanctimonious? building your life upon religious sand. Yeah, even out to casting out demons. Or would you be radical 
serious instead of superficial, sanctified instead of sanctimonious, built on a relationship with the rock of ages rather than on religious sand. Just as I'm calling you to radical discipleship, I know I fall far short as pastor too. So I want to call myself, as I would call elders and deacons and pastors, to, to, to something more radical, something more rooted. This will be my 20th year as pastor. I hope I'm, I'm going to be 62, is it, next year? can't remember. 1958, anyway. <laughs> 60s, uh, 60s. I hope I have wanted more. It may be less. And it reminded me about this story I heard about some gossip about a pastor inside a barber shop. So, this man went to the barber, and the barber said, Hey, I hear you got a new pastor in your church. What happened to the old one? And the man said, Well, the old one, nobody liked him. He was always telling us to be serious as disciples, to give our time, our talent, and our treasures to glorifying God. Then the pastor said, Well, do you like the new pastor? And the man said, oh yeah, we loved him. Great things are happening in our, in our church and lives are being changed. Really, the, bus, the barber asked, what does he preach? Oh, uh, he preaches that we are to be serious as disciples to give our time, our talent, and our treasures to glorify God. And the barber says, but that sounds exactly like the old pastor. Ah, but the man said, this one says it with tears in his eyes. I always say I have a problem with my tear ducts. Uh, I cannot conjure it up, but I hope you can see the heart. That our time really is short. Okay, shorter for me than for you, but indeed, it is still short. And today may sound like I have placed a very heavy burden on you, almost like you have to work for your salvation, but it's not true. Our obedience doesn't achieve our salvation, but our obedience is evidence of our salvation. Test yourself, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Are you just a superficial Christian or are you a radical disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? And let PPH be full of evidence of the love of God. So from 2020, I would like to be a new pastor. I would like to be these new pastors that barbers will gossip about. Would you be a new radicalized disciples by applying the three T's to the five M's. Okay, now that we are properly radicalized, let's sing our closing song. Let's have the music team come and help us with that. My hope is built on nothing less. Meanwhile, I hope that you, you can look at this as homework. Fill up the matrix. How are you going to apply yourself? Going back to, to the roots, I know that by our own carnal nature, we don't even want to do that. We just want to come here, listen to an uplifting sermon and then go away and have lunch and be happy and merry for the rest of the day and week. But to do homework, nah. Radical disciples will do it. Because I want my life to count for something in the kingdom of God.
Spend uh, just a very short time, a couple of minutes, so that we can reflect upon our lives. You know, most of you here are, are very young. The time's gonna pass really fast. I too was once young. And when you look back, you wanna examine how has my life been of worth? Have I blessed anyone? I think of my schoolmate who died a few months ago, same age. And at his wake service, oh my goodness, it was filled to the brim until the corridors and everywhere, and everybody wanted to, to testify of what a blessing he has been. Just a very ordinary man. But such a huge impact. Not a pastor, not a so-called full-time worker. But in in his professional life, a man of integrity, where he was able to bless, he blessed. Can you think now of the appeals just from today's announcement, a season of prayer, of helping uh, Hong Ling, of Father School, just this morning. Somebody approached me for counselling, for parenting. Just this morning, I got an appointment set up for 7pm tonight for some counselling. And I resisted that in my flesh. I felt like, ah, Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, I've, I've worked hard all week. I don't want to have this 7pm meeting to tackle something difficult. Then I look at my own sermon. <laughs> Die to flesh. Your flesh don't want it. God wants it. Can you do it out of love? So each moment of each day going forward, just ask, how am I going to glorify God? It is not a highfalutin statement. It's very practical. And choose. Choose that path. Choose that project. Choose that spending. Choose that time that will most glorify God. And set that resolve today as we begin the year. Let me now pray. Father God, your people here, the sheep of your flock, loved by you, rescued from stormy waters, from waters in the deep sea that will lead us to an eternity without you. In place now, as beloved children, how do we repay you? How do we live this one life that we have that will bring you the most glory, that will make an impact to our friends, our neighbours, our community? Set that resolve in our hearts, Lord. Grant to us that crucified flesh we're not going to drift along with everybody else. We are not everybody else. We do not conform. We will not compromise. We are radical disciples 
of Jesus Christ. And grant to us the inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. Convict our hearts. Propel us. Move us forward. To carry the cross. To follow you wholeheartedly as disciples. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you with a sanctified mind that every decision, every path that you come across, God is there with you to prompt, to convict. The spirit of wisdom gives you the wisdom to choose to build upon the rock and not on sense. The spirit of power empower you to be His witnesses in the school, in the workplace, in the home, to the community. And the Lord give you His affirmation that you are loved and valued as His disciples. That relationship cannot be broken. One Lord, many disciples. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.